Now let's move on. I want to talk about. I want to mention in what I think is a really simple formula. I call it my secret sauce, but it's not so secret and it's not so sexy sauce. I've learned over the years, very you know, goes in line with the boring real estate you know points, that when you buy quality and you hold it long term, you are most likely going to succeed even or succeed well even if you did not make the best decision. Why is that? Because we're buying quality, quality you know, properties in, you know, in good neighborhoods, in good suburbs, in good school districts are normally very attracted or, or people sought them to move there for buying or renting. So it's already, you know, it's already an area people wanna move to. You're, you're going after the, uh, the renters that normally have a job or both, you know, both spouses have a job if it's a family and they can afford the rent. So it's already another, another um, uh, uh, layer for that, uh, or, um, you know, to, to, to create that boringness. And then if they have a dog or a pet or two, that's create maybe a little bit more stability because a lot of people don't want to have pets, which I don't know why, but just the way it is. So when you're enabling a pet, you're actually creating more stability. In good schools, they don't want to move the kids out of the school. So all those things add up. So I call it quality. Now hold it over the long term. Long term being five, maybe 10 years or more. What happens when you hold it long term? Let's assume in the next 10 years, we will have some sort of a downturn. Maybe in a, in a month, maybe in six months, maybe in three years. I don't know, right? I really don't know. But let's assume we're going to have you know, some sort of a economic downturn, economic slowdown. And our property that we purchased for 250 will drop to 200,000, right? I've been there. I've been there when it happened even worse, 2008. But when I'm holding it long-term, no guarantees, most likely, and historically it always happened, over time, it may, it may, we may start here. It went up maybe a little bit, then it, it kind of goes down and patiently goes up, right? Real estate loves time, be patient. So patiently it goes up. So it corrects itself. And over the long term, it goes up. So most likely, when you're holding long term, you're kind of hedging against the downturn periods, right? Now, pay close attention. If you're buying a property now and it goes down and you get nervous and freaking out and you sell it when you bought it for 250 and now it's 200, two years later and you sell it, guess what? My formula is not going to work. Don't come back and say, but you said so. No, 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 no. Be patient, let it run, and let it, let it run. Let me give an example. A house that I purchased in Orlando, East Orlando in 2005, 17 years. It's going to be exactly 17 years in September. I purchased it for round number 180,000. In 2009, 180 went all the way to 84,500, right? That's more than 50%. Not a pleasant feeling to have a property that you purchase for 180 drops more than 50%. Okay, not a pleasant feeling. However, it was always occupied and the rent actually went up. So it was an interesting observation while things are crashing, rent is going up, vacancy going down. So it wasn't terrible on the cash flow. And I remember clearly somewhere around 2009, when this was happening, I told myself, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. I told myself, Danny, shut up. Be patient, right? This house is probably 
I don't know exactly, somewhere between 350 to 400, depending on which day you ask Zillow. All right, let's just call it 350. No problem there, right? So just to show you, what have I done? Quality, long-term, and the last point, patience, okay? So keep that in mind. Um, for those of you who are debating, should you join a program? Should you uh, get a mentor, right? There's not a yes and no, it's very individual. Some people are really independent and feel that they don't need anybody. Some or many people get stuck. They either get stuck at the beginning, there is sometimes I have investors who are coming to me after they got started and they're like at four or five or six properties and there's something blocking them. Many times blockage is here up in our head. It's not a necessarily a, a physical block or something that they can't execute. Something is going. And when you join, if you find the right program and you join them, guess what? It will give you answers. It will give you hopefully systems and processes, direction, maybe even kick you in the butt a little bit, encourage you to do. Many times, you know, I see that in our program, I kind of share my confidence into others that are lacking that. Even that is, is very beneficial to those people. And that will give you the structure plus someone you can talk to, you can consult with, you can run ideas, you can have, you know, you can use their systems and checks and, checks and balances and all of that. So there's a clear system you can benefit from, right? Ours is like that. I'm not talking about the service just on ours. I'm talking about the, the general idea. It's not just for beginners. It's also for experienced people that feel that they're actually held back or kind of getting themselves stuck. And now it all comes to, is it worth it, right? If it's a, a $55,000 program, maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's not worth it. I don't know. If it's, I don't know, if it's a few thousand dollars, maybe it's worth it. So look into the numbers, ask yourself, is this is a number I feel comfortable? Is it worthwhile getting all of this for what they're asking? I'm sure some programs will, will qualify. Some will be super expensive and you'll be hesitant. And some of you are saying, I don't need it. I'm okay. And that's okay too. So just think about it. How many, I see joining a program, a mentor, like a shortcut, right? We can take the toll highway or we can take the, regular road or, 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 or highway. It's like paying the toll and the toll will get us there probably faster, but with much more support. So it's even better than just the toll. That's the way I like to look at the mentor, mentorship you know, to consider, assuming right the price is there. I'm sure many of you would not opt into the toll option on the highway if the toll price was $30 you know, in each direction. That would sound too expensive. And they say, okay, I'll, I'll take the slow, the slow path. But if you're willing to pay that toll, that's super. It will benefit you very well, especially if you feel blocked or stuck. Lastly, or almost lastly, uh, I'm, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll make this point and one more, and then we'll switch over to questions. I just want to say this. What I have seen, because I, had, I have the privilege of working with many investors, many clients, for many years, I've seen that a lot of people do not know to ask questions. I know it may be sound trivial, especially in the age of Google and search and stuff like that. But what I've seen is people just don't take five minutes before an important meeting to prepare and make sure they know what questions to ask. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you a few examples about that. So. Um, 
once in a while, every once in a while, I have I, I have to talk to my attorney, maybe review a document. Okay. Where instead of just sending the document to the attorney and saying, hey, I want you to review it, which I do, I send the document to the attorney and I say, I would like you to review it, but also here are specific things on the document, on the agreement that I want you to, to explain to me, I want you to pay attention to, I want you to do, um, I want you to, to kind of uh, be more focusing because that's where I'm not sure if it's phrased correctly, if it's protecting my interests, et cetera. So I'm not just saying, hey, go over the document, which I could. I, even the attorney, right? The attorney, when I send those specific questions, I help the attorney provide me with a better service. When I call, let's say a property manager, I, when I interview a property manager, I have a list of six, more than 60 questions. I don't call it an, an, an interview, I call it an interrogation. But if you call a property manager or some new realtor, let's say you want to consider a new realtor, how about you put a few questions down and you ask you ask that realtor, hey, I want to run, I want to understand a few things, right? The realtor will get on the call and say, hey, I'm amazing, I'm awesome, I'm great, I do this, I do this. They'll they'll sell, they know how to sell themselves, right? But then when you let them sell themselves, and then you say, okay, I have questions for you. How many houses have you sold or purchased, you know, whatever, whatever side of the equation you are in the past six months? Okay, what was uh, the thing that uh, one of the clients that, uh, what, what happened with a client or two of yours that didn't work and why? Okay, do you provide staging? Um, do you, uh, um, you know, do, what would be your recommendation in listing this house if you're on the selling side, right? So I get, I don't have to have many questions, but the more specific I become with my questions, I get, I, I'm taking this meeting and moving it to the next level, making it more productive. A lot of investors, I mentioned it briefly uh, 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 earlier, when we send properties out, and Jessica and I work a lot on that, and we do it multiple times a week. Our mindset, when we put the email together, is not to bombard with information, is to really trim the information on one hand, but provide enough information. When someone gets the email, if they take two, three, four minutes and read through, and we don't bombard with content, which will exhaust everybody, because we all get tons of emails, they, in my, in our mind, the way we, we approach it is I want to provide the exact amount of information that the person reads the email and said, I get it. I understand. I want to proceed, right? Now, there are always going to be some additional questions, clarification, misunderstanding, and that's fine. But that's how, how we put things together. Almost every time we put an email out with a lot of information, we get the following, the following email. Can I get more info, right? And Jessica's kind of, uh, kind of fine. And I'm like, how, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of sarcastic with myself about the situation. I say, Mr. Investor who just sent us this email, how is this advancing you? I put a lot of information to begin with. So either you're telling me I didn't read through anything, which is, which is probably the case, or how about you tell me, hey, I need, I have specific questions. Is it, can I, can I see a list? Is there an inspection? Um, what do you, what's the age? I'm not sure about the age of that, whatever, right? All of a sudden the discussion becomes with, I don't know what to ask and just the general. 
to a more specific. And what happens? We advance the conversation over the getting towards the decision. That is not does not mean we, you are going to buy that property. That just means advancing the conversation in a serious manner. Why wouldn't you take four minutes for your sake, not my sake? I don't mind. You know, I'm used to it. Send me what's your question. I'm going to send you an email. What specific questions would you like to know? How can I help you more? Can you be more specific, right? You know, like such a waste of ping pong. How about you send me few questions? You don't, maybe not everything, but more specific. Send me more info. I got you a lot of info to begin with. That's what I mean. Take the time before meeting, write down the questions. Sometimes I get, I open a note and I, and I write those questions and I may even collect them over a day, over a few days. Kind of sometimes I think about three and then I go do something else and I remind myself one more thing and I add it. And then when I came, come to the conversation, I am more prepared because I don't want to jump on a call and just say, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. What, what do you think, right? Now, I do want to listen. I'm, I'm, I think, I hope I'm a good listener, but I want to come with questions as well because even when I listen, that's probably not going to tell me all the answers that I'm looking for. So learn to ask questions, get ready, you know, take four, you know, two, three, four minutes before meeting and put questions down. It will advance you. It will advance you in, in the process. Lastly, I want to say, I want to say is important to remember to have patience. Patience, my friend, real estate, want, love to take things a little bit slower, right? We all want to move super fast and real estate has its own pace and it takes things slower. So be patient. I'll give you a classical example um, that, I've, that, that we've noticed over the years. Many times when we buy a property, the first year of the property as a rental, I call it, it, it kind of settles in. It's kind of, um, we get acclimated to it. You know, it gets acclimated to us. I, I don't know exactly how to define it. The first year, it's kind of the first year is not fully functioned. There's more friction, there's more communi communication. And that's come, it's almost always the case, right? Almost always. Doesn't matter if it's with a tenant or without a tenant. And why is that? Well, if the house is without a tenant and someone moves in, and even if we've done some repairs and prep it and what we call make ready, when someone comes in and they start using the house, the house shows its issues. This door is not closing and this faucet is actually running okay, but not running good enough. And the temperature in the water is this and this and leak. And that. Why? Because someone is using it. Before, we didn't know what happened when someone was using it because it wasn't ours. So that's kind of the acclimation. If we have it with a tenant, the tenant is a little bit annoying and it's better with communicating or not as good. With that's getting used to the new setting. Normally, the first year is a little bit annoying. And after the first year, things tend to kind of stabilize. So, so just know that's usually the case. Not always... And it's not horrible, right? You know, it's just more noise than I normally see. Um, so that means if you're buying a property and you want everything to be perfect from day one, ain't gonna happen. Take a breather, be patient. Those things will present themselves. Let them present themselves, deal with them. You know, shut up a little bit if you're kind of complaining, you know, about it. Why, 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 you know, that happened. And let it ride and be patient. It, do I give you a guarantee everything will be okay? You know the answer. Absolutely not. 
Is it most likely if you just let it, you know, kind of make sure you push it in the right direction or you push the property manager in the right direction, it will get there very likely, most likely. So just be, just remember that um, real estate over the years, you know, you can see with the appreciation rates uh, when, when properties appreciate, forget about for a second about the past two years, which are crazy. Even before those crazy two years, things tend to appreciate over time. Maybe they go a little bit in wave. Just be, you know, accept that that's the nature of this beast that we call real estate, that we call rental properties. Before we jump into questions, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I just want to say, show you one thing or two, just as a quick, you know, just as a quick, uh, uh, a quick overview. We're not going to dive into it. We may do a webinar about this one, but we have, this is our Excel the one that we've put together some 10 years ago or so, that uh, that's how we analyze rental properties. I call it the, every property that we consider its business plan, right? And we put in realistic figures and then we analyze based on assumption and that helps us make, this, make the decision, should we proceed or not or how to proceed. All the agents that we work with throughout the country use this Excel. All the investors work with us, learn how to use this Excel. This is like the common denominator we all kind of, you know, kind of aligned with, right? This Excel analyzing properly, it's an Excel. So an Excel can do anything you, you, you can abuse it however you want. But if you know the way we are teaching our agents and the way we teach our clients, investors, how to use it correctly, it is a very beneficial, very powerful tool. Um, I would say uh, since I started using this Excel, uh, we've had multiple versions, mostly design versions of it. Um, it was probably used well over 60, 70,000 times. I can't know, I don't know exactly, but by through all, that doesn't mean we purchased 50 to 60,000 properties. That means we've ran through uh, this Excel uh, 60 to uh, 65, I don't know, thousand times at least. I think I just, I think that I'm just, Myself, um, easily 20,000. Jesse Clark probably done a few thousand already as well, uh, quite a bit. So just to, to show you, this is how we are, are um, uh, you, what the, the, you know, the main tool that we use in the decision, you know, the decision process. Before we jump into questions, I wanna make one offer, free offer. If you are interested either with starting or resuming and you, you are stuck, you're not stuck, you're not sure, um, you are most welcome to sign up to meet either with me or Jessica for what we call the strategy session. I promise no sales pitch. The whole point of the strategy session is to see if you are, if this is a good fit, you will ask, I hope so. You will ask good questions. I hope so. You will ask good questions. Uh, just to follow up on a previous point, um, we're going to have a discussion. Many times people say, oh, here's my concern. Here's my fear. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about what you guys are doing. I have a specific situation. I have a 1031 exchange. I'm, you know, I'm not sure about mortgages. I need to run something by you. No problem. That's the reason we hold those sessions, right? So I just want to tell you, if you are interested, we only ask that you jump on the link below either. I don't think you can click here, but you go to simply do it. Maybe uh, Jessica will put it in. in I the already chat. put it in the chat. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Um, 
and you, you will spend about three to four minutes completing a, a pre-meeting intake. It's not asking for personal information, social security, credit score, anything like that, no credit card. It's only gonna ask you a few questions about your profile, about what you're looking for. Kinda, we call it a preparation for the meeting. I've learned that this intake helps me, us, me and Jessica, come better prepared for the session and we wanna uh, benefit more out of it. I will say that, you know, I'm gonna be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, 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 direct now, but the way we operate, the way, the type of properties we buy normally are, let's say 200,000 to 400,000, give or take, um, single family duplexes, you know, uh, duplexes, triplexes, explexes, different parts of the country, normally, with a mortgage that you will be getting, we do not provide mortgages. You can buy cash. We do a lot of 1031 exchange day these days. We help people sell as well, but most of our clients come in. We help them go through the process of getting their mortgage if they need to. We'll be happy. We do it all the time. Um, but if you are um, if you are broke and have no money, if you have, don't have a job right now. If you are, um, you know, if you can't get a mortgage, we're not, I'm just going to be upfront. We're not going to be a good fit for you, right? At least not at the moment. Uh, our clientele, we, some down payment is needed. You know, ability to get a mortgage is needed if you don't have the cash. Uh, other than that, I am not a good source for wholesalers. I'm not a good source for no money down programs. I'm a very good source for here's a nice house. Here's a good team that we can use in Kansas City, St. Louis, Nashville, whatever. Here's the proper way to, to analyze it. We're going to help you buy it, help you make decision, hold inspection, use title, use escrow, et cetera. You know, and you're going to make, you're calling the shots. We are here to support you in the process of you calling the shots. And if you, that's something of an interest to you, most, you know, most welcome to complete the intake. We'll reach, you know, we'll reach back to you to set up a time. We can do it in person. If you're in Southern California slash Orange County, phone is what I normally do. Zoom is not a problem as well. So up to you. 30 minutes and nobody's going to hold this, you know, the, you know, the clock over your head and say, hey, we're done. That's not how we operate. That's not how we, how we uh, uh, conduct our, our business. So interested, you know, you have the link in the chat. Let us know. We'll be happy to talk to you again. I promise, no sales pitch. I try to listen during those conversations. We try. Sorry, Jessica. Okay. Um, just two last things. If you want to listen to my podcast, I think it's pretty much the same style of this kind of webinar, me sharing, talking, discussing. Uh, so this is uh, what I normally kind of the style that I go, uh, go, uh, go with share, explain, teach, direct, uh, not offensive, I hope, hopefully, and but direct. So you can look up my podcast throughout the different channels, Spotify, you know, Apple, whatever, just look for guided real estate investing by Simply Do It. Simply Do It is my company and in a, in a way, my web identity. So if you write Simply Do It in real estate, somehow you will probably get to us through the different social media channels, outlets, et cetera. Here are the uh, um, information about uh, uh, information about us. Here's our email, meet at simplydoit.net. If you wanna see what other clients uh, said in the past, uh, you can go to simplydoit.net reviews, our main website, the type of properties we buy, 
is uh, reistar.com REI only focuses on the properties that we are considering. It's not a full list. We call it the tip of the iceberg. We got our YouTube channel, our podcast channel. And with that said, I think I am done with the content. I am going to open it up to questions. Are we taking questions through the chat? Are we taking questions verbally? What are we doing? Uh, verbal are we questions are... Verbal questions are great. Um, I've also put some of the links that you have listed on the screen into the chat. So if anyone wants to click directly uh, from there, they can do that. Um, I don't have any questions in the chat right now. So if anyone wants to unmute themselves and ask a question, we are here. Hi, Danny. This is Deanna Lindo uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much for uh, the presentation tonight. Really, really appreciated it. Um, quick question I have for you. Um, I am literally just starting out. I got this, uh, this training via email. I thought I'd jump on and listen. Um, so for folks like me who are literally just starting out, we don't know what we don't know. Um, what should we be doing um, to get prepared to invest? And do you have any suggestions on the right type of financing we should be going after to invest? Okay. Um, so first of all, thanks. Uh, thank you for being the first one to ask a question and, and, and kind of uh, um, uh, breaking the ice here. I always appreciate the, I appreciate that. So your first question is, um, if you don't mind kind of refining, what do you mean by what type of financing? Because can you elaborate on that, what you meant? Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's different strategies, right? There's different ways you can finance. If you own a home, if you got equity on it, you can do a HELOC, you can do a hard money loan, you can okay. do just regular, you know, regular financing. Um, okay. What's the best approach for somebody just starting out? Okay, so, so let's let's tackle that because I think that's, uh, that's obviously a, a very challenging topic by itself, the financing aspect. So let's start with the basic, in my opinion, right, in the, the basic. Let's say you have enough cash sitting in your bank account that you can use and, assume, and assuming you can qualify for a conventional mortgage. Let, I'm just gonna use the number. Let's say you're looking to buy a, a house in your metro for 150 uh, in, your, in, in your area. And for to buy that with 20% down, right? 20% down, that means $30,000 down payment and the rest mortgage. Assuming you can qualify for a mortgage, conventional mortgage and have the 30,000 plus closing costs, et cetera, that is probably the easiest, simplest way. Why? Because you are tapping into the best product out there in terms of terms, right? The conventional mortgage, um, the conventional mortgage with the kind of the best interest rate relatively. Right? You may want to consider nowadays a more of an arm, an adjustable rate mortgage, uh, maybe for five, seven, or 10 years in order to lower the rate. And hopefully when the rate will adjust down in somewhere in the next one to four years, refinance to a lower rate just to help with, it, with the next few years of, of, uh, um, of uh, mortgage payments, aka the cash flow, right? Now, I'm going to assume that's the that's the easiest scenario using tapping the cash in your in that you have if you have and obtaining a mortgage. That's I would say one on one. Now let's say you don't have the cash available, but you own a home and there's equity in the home and you can tap into that equity. 
The, the easiest way to go about it will probably do, open an HELOC. What's the catch about opening an HELOC? You probably need, not probably, you will need to pull money out of the HELOC and put it in your bank account and let it sit there for at least two months, if not three, so the lender does not suspect that that money was borrowed because if the lender know the money was borrowed, they would not approve your loan, okay? So Six sometimes months. it's- Mm -hmm. It's typically a six months to season that. No, no, two. Mm -hmm. okay. Two, two, two. Okay. The lenders, I'm saying three to be on the safe side, but normally at least uh, unless something changes in the last month or two, you know, it used to be, you're right, it used to be, but nowadays they don't know, they're not asking for statements long, longer than two months, the recent two months. So sometimes to be on the safe side, three months is probably better. That means you're pulling money out and using it. now. I want to cautious you because there is some disadvantages to this idea of using cash from your equity. My first you know, kind of point of caution is, let's say you have $100,000 of equity in your home. Doesn't mean you, you, you need to, to use all of that 100,000 available, right? Probably not. And you, because this is your home, I'm always very concerned when someone goes through pulling money at the ELOC in, you know, and using that towards the down payment because they're, first of all, leveraging their home even more. In a way, anytime you leverage, that creates a risk, you know, risky situation. And if something happens in the economy and something happens in, with the investment, all of a sudden, your house is at risk. So my my first my first suggestion is, even if you can't, you know, pull HELOC, maybe it's not the ideal. And if you are pulling, you know, from the HELOC. My second suggestion would be to, to pull as little as possible, right? So just because you can pull 100, that doesn't mean you need to pull 100, right? Um, the second thing that you need to understand is when, when we do this kind of a bit of creative financing, you're, um, you're basically doing 100% financing of your transaction, right? So you're pulling, let's say 20% from one source, and 80% from a conventional mortgage, that's 100% financing. If you actually run your scenario with 100% financing, most likely you will have uh, a negative cash flow from combined, right? Good returns, it opens, it, it may open up the door to investing because you don't have money, assuming there's no other resource, uh, but there is a trade-off. The trade-off, you're putting a, creating a bit of a risky situation, not necessarily, but could be a somewhat of a risky situation or more, or more leverage on your house and you're doing 100% financing, which will result in a negative cash flow most likely, right? Just when we measure everything. That makes sense? Am I, I hope I'm not confusing you too much. No, I think that makes perfect sense. You actually uh, answered uh, my question when you said kind of doing as little as possible out of the HELOC and then maybe funding the rest of it, you know, via a conventional. I was going to ask you if there's a way to kind of combine the two strategies to, to work best. So no, I, I think you did a good job at that.